Hey, Scott Kurtz here. It's time for another episode of Surviving Creativity. This is part two of my interview with the producers of the Netflix full-length feature animated film Animal Crackers, Donna and Scott Sava. Now, if you haven't heard part one, back up, listen to that first. When we left off, uh, Donna and Scott were in the recording booth. They had signed an amazing cast, including John Krasinski, a fairly unknown John Krasinski at the time. And their leading lady was uh, Kelly Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory. But multiple times, Kelly did not show up to record, and they had no choice but to fire her. No pressure. Just firing a major movie star. Just another Monday, right? Okay. Yeah. So it had to be scary as shit to fire Kelly. It really was. And so, you know, I'm freaking out. And of course, no one knows but me and Donna and our casting director. Oh, yeah, nobody. And we were so, in the booth. And yeah, Donna's in the booth I was like, oh my God. with Jamie and Tony and everybody else. Yeah. And I'm hanging out with John because he just finished his session. And he's just chit-chatting because John is like that. He's, he's just like. very sweet. Yeah. And so he's, nice like, he's like, he's like, you know, Scott, he goes, I just want to let you, he says, my wife just thought the script was so adorable. She thought it was so in, in, uh, inventive and whatever. And I'm like. Well, He's thank her got for me. No clue I had no who clue. John's married to. Oh, you didn't know he was married to Emily? No, Dude, I didn't know Zero who he was. Clues. I didn't okay. know who John Krasinski was. Why Meanwhile, would I know who he's my married chin's to? Chin's on the floor, and Jamie, our casting director, all of a sudden is magically. And Scott had gone into the booth, and he was shaking yeah. John's hand and thanking him for Fortunately, such a great session. Fortunately, the mics were hot, so they yeah. were listening in on the conversation. And I'm so I'm like, like three or four people crap. come running yeah. into the room. Suddenly, Jamie's like right behind Scott, and he's like, he's like, hey, you. Uh, would would your wife want to be uh, in our movie? And Scott's and, going, wait, what? Why are you asking this guy's wife? Let's yeah. just let the poor guy go home. He just worked yeah, four yeah, hours, yeah. you know what? Right. And, and Jamie's and like. So, so John's like, yeah, sure. He picks up his phone. He's like, hey, hey babe, babe, you want to be in the movie? Yeah. He goes, yeah. No. She's in. And that's how Emily yeah. Blunt came and on so the And so he puts his phone down. We start talking. The phone buzzes. And he goes, oh, okay, she's in. And we're like, holy crap. Now we have Emily Blunt. Yeah. In our film, on top of Ian McKellen and Sylvester Stallone and Danny DeVito and John Krasinski, now we have Emily Blunt in our film. And I'm like, I'm just, forget it. Yeah. Forget meanwhile, it. So, meanwhile, you and Tom Bancroft are like, what happens to Scott when we tell him that uh, we could, if we get Krasinski's brother-in-law, we can get Stanley Tucci? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I was God. not, the funny thing is that all the time I hung out with John and Emily, they never mentioned Stanley Tucci nope. because I wasn't wearing those glasses. It's those glasses, I tell you, yeah. you know, but uh, uh, yeah, so so they came in together. For those listening, Scott's a dead ringer for Stanley Tucci. <laughs> yes, when I wear my Tucci glasses, yes. Um, but uh, so John and Emily <laughs> came in together um, and they, a couple weeks later. they, yeah, it was a few weeks later. They wanted to record together. Normally you record them separate, but they wanted right. to play off of each other. And it was magical. It was it was just because we had Unreal. storyboarded the entire movie and yeah. they were making stuff up that did not just not, not like you. I would say 50 percent of what you see. Yeah, they were ad libbed. They wow. were just 
cracking each other mm -hmm. up and laughing. That's why Zoe is laughing throughout the oh, film yeah. because John just kept making her laugh. And yeah. they were just, they'd never worked together before. This was long before Had A they Quiet never? Place. Nope. No, no, this nope. was, this is 2015. This was, mm -hmm. um, when I saw them in 2017, um, he, he was telling me, because I saw them, she was preparing for- Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, you know, was working with them in, in, on, at Pinewood Studios. And this was the last time I saw them. And he was showing me the script for A Quiet, Quiet Place. Place. He's like, we had such a good time. He goes, we're going to do a movie together now. Yeah. Live wow. action. And, you know, what's uh, interesting is, remember when um, you could see behind the scenes stuff of Aladdin and they said that Robin Williams' improv was making the animators pull their hair out? Yeah. yeah. Is it the same way with 3D animation? No. No, 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 don't no, have to no, worry no. about because, it so much. See, Disney, Disney, um, Disney yeah, does well, it different. It, it kind of was. No, 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 no. It was, it was. Disney did it because Tony Bancroft directed Mulan. Tony is a Disney guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what he did was, uh, his his, like we we kind of separated some powers. So what he was doing was he was handling storyboards mm -hmm. and the animatic. The animatic is at the entire film. You can watch it with storyboards and directors and storyboard artists voices. Mm -hmm. So it's every, so the whole thing, it's an entire movie that you can watch in storyboard form. That's what Disney does. And then Disney lots of times will go ahead and animate to that. Yeah. And then get the actors to go ahead and try to sync up to what the animation gotcha. is already there. Well, what yeah. happened was we had gotten the animatic. We didn't do any animation yet. We got the animatic. John and Emily came in and I was like, Oh, this is this is gold. This is we way need, better. We need to yeah. do this. And Tony's like, "Well, hold on a second. You know, it's it's better if they work towards no. Let them play. Yeah. Let the actors play." And so what I did was I talked to Jamie Thomason, our casting director, and I said, "Can we create a radio play? Can we create a radio play of the entire movie? No visuals. Just if it's funny without the visuals, it'll be even yeah. better once we add the visuals." Yeah. And so we we did was we we did a radio play, and with, so with John and Emily we had so much material, and so I just told myself so just have fun, and yeah. so they just played and played and played and played and played for weeks, and and then we took all of that and we combined it. Mm -hmm. Then we had Ian McKellen out in London, we had Gilbert Gottfried mm -hmm. in New York, and so we're like okay, just record their lines, let them play, and then we edit it together mm -hmm. with with because Donna really liked the Gilmore Girls, and I would catch bits of the Gilmore Girls here and there. And they're always talking so fast. Oh, it's yeah. very like, fast-paced dialogue. No yeah, one it's like, like how no one's brain thinks that fast. You know, like this is all pre-script, obviously. But I'm like, if we could have our characters overlapping each other, like, you know, they're just, they're not, I'm not going to wait for you to finish your sentence because yeah. that's how Donna and I talk, all you know, the time. we're always talking yeah. over each other. It's and an so, Italian thing, I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, but the thing I is, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we thought, we thought, let's do that. So we were. We yeah. were in, in editing, uh, just the dialogue, we were editing the characters over each other. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't big gaps of time yeah. in between. It's like, I'm gonna say my line. Wait, now I'm gonna say my mm -hmm. line. So it was just that. And it really, really came out well. And I think, and then we sent it off back to uh, Spain and we just ignored storyboards. Mm -hmm. And we just went straight to like an animatic, which yeah, is- Yeah, we just, could have saved a quarter of a million dollars on storyboards had we not done that first. Uh, I just, I think, well, that was a learning process. This is our first yeah. movie. Is our first movie, so but I think next time around, definitely we're going to 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 do the cast first, mm -hmm. 
radio do, play. Do the radio play mm-hmm. and then storyboard to yeah. that or just go straight to an animatic. I, yeah. Just, yeah. I think that is so smart because the <clears throat> actors had so much fun without having mm-hmm. to get their timing right to the voice yeah. of the director or storyboard right. artist. That's a problem because, and that's why they had so many problems with Robin Williams because you can imagine he's so larger than life and they've got this, yeah. you know, you're trying this to, much dialogue and he's this big. It's, yeah. Well, you're, it's like, like it's Aladdin, crazy. you're trying to bottle him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? and you can't do that. And it, the dialogue came out, God, so much better than yeah. anything Scott wrote because they were just allowed to just yeah. be free with it. And he didn't care. And they would even ask, I remember a couple of times and they'd say, do you want this like true to what the script was? Like, you know, or do you want to have fun? And Scott's like, no, have fun with it. I kept telling him, I was like, you guys yeah. are the professionals. This is my first time. Yeah. So if you think something is better, let's do it. Well, you tell know? him about the, the Harvey Firestein one where he. he <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Jamie, so you, you know Harvey. He's yeah. just. Well, I don't, but I know of him. Yeah. Okay. So, he's great. So here I am in New York and yeah. Jamie was, I was just in awe. I'm just looking at Harvey and all of his flamboyance. You know, just, you know, just belting out lines of this gypsy woman. And I said, gypsy, by the way, I found out later is a bad Oh, God. So term. many comments so, we've had from yeah. people about uh, things. Which, again, I, mean, I didn't know. So it's a fortune yeah. teller. Um, but, and he's belting out these lines. And Jamie's like, you know, Scott, you could give him some uh, some notes. And I was like, you know, no, no, no. He's great. He's wonderful. He's like, no, just, just give him some notes. So I think he wanted me to be a little more involved. So, of course, I do. And, and Harvey's like... Oh, honey, I've been doing this for, you know, I've, I've been doing this so long or whatever. And I was like, well, this is my first time. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, gives me a hug. You know. But yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, Danny DeVito was like that too. You know, he's like, you know, because he said, to, I've done this a few times before, yeah, you know, yeah. and it was always like, well, this is my first time. I'm not trying to give, yeah. you know, that so much as just be involved in the process. Yeah. And And once they knew that, once they knew that, I just wanted to experience this, you know, yeah. um, because they're so used to uh, directors with egos or writers yeah. saying, well, and don't God, change my And God bless them for not going, oh boy, somebody yeah. doesn't know what they're no, doing. No, they, yeah. I think they loved it. I I, I think um, like like Stallone, he he spent a good 45 minutes telling me about his first time, you know, making, making Rocky and what he went through. And he kept saying, this is your Rocky. This is yeah. your moment. Don't let anybody take this away from you. I Don't. remember you telling me that. And he just that. kept encouraging me and encouraging me. And, and John and Emily would sit down and they would just say, you know, what can we do? You know, they would introduce me to their, they're like, you did this whole thing without an agent? I'm yeah. like, yeah, here's my agent at CAA. And Emily's like, here's my agent at William Morris. Yeah. Talk to them, see if they can help <coughs> you, you know? So mm-hmm. everybody was... Um, I would get calls from Patrick Warburton or Raven Simone or, or, you know, they would call me up. How's everything going? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what can, what are you doing? Is it, what can we do to help? Or so everybody was really, really And you got supportive. calls from them, not their people. No, them. Oh God, no. no. Wow. No, like, um, I've no, got, they're everybody's entourage sucks. Yeah. Agents, the agents are the worst. And you're supposed to go through the agents, but a lot of times they'll just like, him with Patrick Warburton at one, I mean, they would text each other. Yeah. Like, hey, I don't know, how's it going today? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, they're yeah. nice people, but the gatekeepers are the ones that are just, and, and, and they, under- I guess they have to be in a way, sure. otherwise they would get so much. Everybody but- always wants something from them. Sure. That's, that's just Absolutely. the way it is. Yeah, it's everybody wants something from them. And, and not for anything, <laughs> 
so did I, you know, for me, it was mm-hmm. advice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't asking for, uh, you know, hey, can you get me into your next movie? Can you lend me yeah. some money? It was just, tell me how you me did this. Free. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. how did you do this? Or what do you, because, because I saw right, that. But John, I think, I think as creators, they probably saw that and they were, yeah. that, that's not, that's talking shop. That's what they're in it for. That's what you, yeah. Because yes. John, John was yes. directing, he was directing his second film. Uh, his the first Hollers. one was um, Hol- The Hollers, I think it was yeah. called. And then the second one was, um, mm. he did two before. Um, a Quiet Place. Quiet Place. And so he was kind of just, you know. Oh, it was that, that uh, 13 hours, 23 no, hours? No, 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 no. That was, that was hours? Michael Bay. Was that um, Michael Bay? Yeah, he was in that, but no. Oh, okay. um, and it was funny because, you know, I was working with Michael Bay on Pet Robots. And so we had some <laughs> fun talks about that, too. But it, it's, um, it, it was so, weird. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, not to not to cut you off, but so now now you get the movie made, it's done. Yeah, you've made a movie. That was the fun part. That was the fun part. Now yeah. you've n- now you've got the movie made. Now all that's left is to just let everyone see it. And, yeah, it. And you know the the thing is throughout those from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen um, January of twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh, well. Um, no, it's tw- end of 2016 was uh, mm-hmm. was relativity. So from 2014 to the end of 2016, I was talking to studios mm-hmm. however I can. The same way that I was finding money was mm-hmm. I was saying, hey, you know, next door neighbor, do you know anybody who works at Warner Brothers? Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, do you know? Do-? Right. And so I was asking people, including the, 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 the cast, too, you know, hey, well, you know, we want to get the movie out. But mm-hmm. we made this movie without a without a studio attached right we just had money we were like hey we're gonna make a movie yeah. which is unheard of at the the the, the level In that Hollywood. we were doing that mm-hmm. yeah and so especially with the cast that we had yeah everybody to this day says how did you get that cast how did you make that film? we were like i know yeah here we go but, that but, question so yeah. so you can imagine you know it's 2014 <clears throat> we signed the cast <clears throat> and we're like hey we got this great cast we're making this movie would you guys like to distribute it and they're like we've never seen your work before. Well, here's a little trailer, mm-hmm. little teaser, you know. Oh, that's that's cute, but how do we know this film's ever going to get made? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it does, if you sign it yeah. now, you can put the film out and yeah. you'll have well, come back to us, you know, after we can see the storyboards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 6 months later, storyboards are done. Here you go. Yeah, well, come back to us when we can see the animation. Okay, so we do some animation. Okay, come back to us when it's finished. Uh-huh. So, they always so move the bar. It was always a moving always. bar. And granted, the people <clears throat> who were at Warner Brothers or Sony or wherever six months ago are no longer there. So it was always yeah. somebody new that you were you were meeting with because yeah. the gatekeepers keep changing because they get fired for probably not picking up animal crackers when they could have. Um, but the thing is, is that that kept happening to us to yeah. where suddenly the film is three or four months away from being finished, we don't have a distributor and our yeah. investors are getting really nervous mm-hmm. because not only did we move up from 10 to 13, but then to make the, the, the film look better, mm-hmm. we went, we borrowed another five from a fisherman in Seattle. So now we're just like, okay, we're now at $19 million. Mm-hmm. We need to get this film out. Yeah. So I was getting a lot of pressure from the investors and we got this offer from Ryan Kavanaugh from Relativity. Now he had just bankrupted his company. 
Yeah. He had just bankrupt. Now, this guy had made a ton of really good movies. He had, mm-hmm. he had a string of really good movies. He was um, capable, but he had just bankrupted his, his film or his, his company. And, uh, and he made a string of really bad decisions. Yeah. And so I was like, no. And it's like, well, there's an offer. He's going to give you an advance. Yeah. He believes in this movie so much, he's going to write you a check for $10 million once you sign sure. this contract. And I was like, I don't believe it. And so, so who's uh, telling you this? The investors? No, this was uh, what, the couple of the producers, okay. one a couple of those middlemen, you know, along right. the way. And uh, by the way, we're in Brian Kavanaugh's pocket. Yeah, we found out later. But the thing is, is that what what it was was they um, they said, "Look, come out and meet him. Just come out and meet him." I went out, flew out to L.A. Guy was so charming, nicest guy, t-shirt and jeans. Here, let me show you my drone. Let's go and let's do this. Hey, picks up the phone. He goes, hey, somebody wants to talk to you. It was Michael Buble. Hey, you know, Michael's like, hey, I saw some of your movie. I think it's great. I'm going to give you a song for my movie. Wow, really? Well, thank you, Michael Buble. Hey, phone's ringing again. It's it's Nabisco. Mm They want they want to do your artwork on all of the animal crackers boxes, all those Barnum animal crackers. I'm like, wow, you know, this is so I was like, okay, this guy's legit, you know? So I talked to the investors. They're like, okay, let's do it. We do it. The minute the contract is signed, he's like, yeah, I'm not putting your film out. <laughs> you know? Just straight up, my, I'm not going to release it? Yeah, my company's going bankrupt again. I needed the uh, the assets, you know, mm-hmm. for the liquidators, you know, basically. Yeah. So now my film is an asset in liquidation. Yep. Okay? Now, mind you, Nabisco was totally real. They stayed on. Michael Buble, we became good friends. Gave us a, gave us a song. Like, well, it, that, he like, paid for a song. Yeah, sure. of course, you always have to. Yeah, but I'm saying, but, you know, he gave us a song from his upcoming album. But the thing is, is that Brian Cavanaugh knew his company was going bankrupt yeah. again, like the second time in two years. Yeah. And he was just using it as, as a um, yeah. asset. As, asset. So uh, I said to the investors, what do we got to do? And they're like, we've got to sue him. So we, we blew through $100,000. Arbitration. In, oh, my in, God. In, in, mm-hmm. in money. To never even get in front of even a judge or an nope. arbitrator or anything. It was just. Are you guys even allowed to talk about this? What? Are you allowed to talk about this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah. way past the. We're yeah. way past the. Uh, okay. So, the gag so it order was. On it. it was. Um, it was just the cost of the lawyers talking to his lawyer was a hundred thousand mm. dollars, and we blew through that in what three months? Three months. Like, it was about a thousand dollars a day, and I was finally. Three I was months. just like. Honey, this isn't going anywhere, and it's now 2017, and our movie's not coming out. Um, and so I called Ryan Kavanaugh. I said, "What's it going to take to get my film back from you?" He goes, two million dollars." I was oh like, "Ryan," God. I said, "Oh yeah," I said, "We have four hundred and fifty thousand dollars left in the bank. We had five hundred and fifty, but we blew through a hundred thousand. I said, "I'm owed money. Sylvester Stallone is owed money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple other people are owed some yep. money still." <clears throat> He's like. I'll take the $450,000. And so we wrote him a check for $450,000 in exchange for what's called a quit claim, which is all I, 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 you know, I revoke any rights mm-hmm. in any, you know, uh, claim on this property. Mm-hmm. So we got the rights back. We had an offer from a small little studio called Serafini who said, we can put the film out in six months. We'll give you an advance of $5 million. Give us six months. If we can't put the film out in six months, we will write a quit claim out right now saying we have no rights to it. So you don't have to worry about what you just went through. Okay. Six months later, here's your quit claim. They yep. couldn't do it. They couldn't come up with the money because, because an animated film 
if we stayed with the no cast and we did a $10 million animated film, it would have gone to DVD. Because this was before Netflix was really streaming a lot. Right. So they would have gone to DVD and everybody would have made their money back. But because the cast was so big and we spent $19 million, it had to go theatrical. Well, to go theatrical, a, a, a studio, or I'm sorry, a, a movie theater yep. won't take your film unless you spend at least 20 to $50 million in marketing. p Mm-hmm. They're like, are you serious? Yeah, because they're like, oh. we're not gonna, we're not yes. gonna fill our yes. screens unless people know about your movie, yeah. and people aren't gonna know about your movie unless you spend mm-hmm. marketing dollars. We want to see it on the sides of buses. We want to see hear it on the radio. Billboards. We want to see billboards. We want, and if yep. you don't do these things, we're not putting your movie out. Yep. And this is all stuff that you did not know ahead of time. <laughs> of course not. How could no. we? Because again, we thought a studio was gonna come in and say, yeah, we'll handle all of that. Mm-hmm. And your investors will be taken care of in any well, back end. You know. the studios would have handled it. They would have taken the film and given us nothing for it. And yeah. we said, our we investors did- have to get paid back this much money. This is the bare minimum that we have to have. Yeah. No one would say, yeah, we'll, we'll get your investors paid back. They said, well, we're going to put in 20, 30, 40, 50 million in P&A. And when you do the numbers and you work it all out. The theaters keep 50% too. Exactly. Sure. So if the movie makes $100 million yeah. and the studio spends $50 million marketing yep. it, well, the theater gets 50, 50%. So mm-hmm. $50 million goes to the, stu- to the studio. And the studio's yep. like, hey, we haven't made any money yet. Yep. We just got back the cost of our, right. uh, of our marketing. Mm-hmm. We haven't even covered the interest of marketing at 20%. That's another $10,000. Yep. Oh, my God. And then we still got our 20% cut. Yeah, we're going to take as the distributor. And we're going to take so, that first. So it's like, so the movie had to make two, $300 million yeah. for us to ever get our money back so mm-hmm. so that's why we were looking at smaller studios so long story short that's when the you investors tell me i tell long stories yeah so that's it's a long the, story yeah so the no, investors it's, it's finally said look they're like find somebody now and so that's yeah. when we went with byron allen who i was adamantly oh, against and uh byron allen just sat on the film for 14 months didn't do a thing with it yeah and uh finally that gave it nightmare. back to us and uh, and that's when yeah. Netflix, who, by the way, Netflix had turned us down seven times, yep. seven times. Wow. And, and then finally in 2019, mm-hmm. 20, yeah, 2019, 2019, they uh, they finally made us an offer mm-hmm. on the film and we and, and we had, you know, we had the rights and then we sold it to them. And uh, so China, China, the film made 10 million in China. So the Chinese got their money back, and mm-hmm. then uh, we got eight million from uh, Netflix. So that's eighteen, and then the Korean got their million dollars back from in Korea. Korea. So that's nineteen. Yeah, and they then, put it out in the Korean market. So everybody got their money back. Good, but we never saw a dime from it. Yeah. So and but not discouraged, are you? No. No, it was a wonderful experience. I got to we got no. to make a movie. You know what? We learned so much over <clears throat> the course of the time making that movie and we I have pages and pages of notes on how we're going to streamline for the next project and where to spend the money and things that we shouldn't do next time around that you're quote unquote supposed to do, but that we didn't think were necessary. You know, like the storyboard situation, it was so much fun having the actors just play and verbalize and yeah. then going into story mode and then going into production. Right. It was phenomenal. And it, it lended itself to so much better dialogue. So surely we couldn't like, have been the first ones to do that too. You, know, you think of all I, the animated movies, 
Surely we weren't the first ones to say, that, hey, let the actors said, have fun. But that being said, every single studio has all of the suits that, you know, all the other producers. Well, can they say this different? Can they do that? Yeah, different? they're constantly micromanaging and they const- everything. They do. They don't just let the creative people be creative and play. They everybody yeah. has to put their thumbprint on it somewhere. I was I think- listening to an interview with um, Billy West. Uh, yeah. And he was saying, isn't it funny how in Hollywood you have a room full of creative people and then people who have never had an idea in their life? And the people that have never had an idea in their life wouldn't know if it bit them on the balls are in charge of the money. Yeah. And all the decisions. That, that is the crux of the problem yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. You, that's it right there in a yeah. nutshell. They're really, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping that in the next decade, like I, I tell you, if YouTube, if Google was smart, they would say, hey, we are buying movies. Make mm-hmm. a movie. Guys, go out, make your favorite movie. Okay. If you if you can make a movie um, of this, and there's got to be some sort of metric, but you make a two million dollar movie, we'll give you two million dollars for it. You got you know, and and you want to make an animated movie, we'll give you fifteen million dollars. Like I would make movies for ten mm-hmm. or fifteen million dollars, and it's doable. We don't need a big cast. It's totally doable. I would totally yeah. do it if there was a streaming network that says mm-hmm. you make it, we'll buy it. Right. And leave because that's that's kind of what we're doing right now with TikTok. It's where we're heading. Look at um. I mean, I think the pandemic has kind of proved that would work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the well, Mitchells I mean, versus the Machine would have been a theatrical release two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Animal Crackers was the number one animated film in the world for the summer of 2020. Yeah. yeah. It was the... And and no one knows about it as far as like, you know, that number mm-hmm. because Netflix doesn't, doesn't release that information. Sure. Like, I had to hear it from them. I had to get confirmation mm-hmm. from them. I had to look at all the metrics to make sure. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, the only ones ever going to know is the ones I tell, <laughs> you know? You know, one thing I want to say, and one of the things I want to point out that I really, really admire about you guys um, is that you've gone through this whole thing, this multi-year process, at, at which point during during any of it, you could have just thrown your arms up in the air and given up. Um, all the hardships you went through to make it, now the movie's out, it's on Netflix, and I'm watching, because I follow you on Twitter, I'm watching your feed, and you respond to every single person who tweets about that movie. Yeah. Every single person, <laughs> Scott. And everyone who is such a shit, never made a goddamn thing in their life with their goddamn opinion about it. And your response is the same every time. Thank you so much. I never thought about it. This is the first time I've ever made a movie. I've learned <laughs> so much. And I'm like, every time that I would see you respond to someone. I'm like, okay, well, I see this tweet. Surely this time he's going to go, hey, take it easy, pal. And every (laughs) single time you're like, I never thought about that. Hey, it's my first movie. Thank you so much for watching it. And I was like, wow, what a fucking masterclass in social media management. It was really... And the thing is, knowing you, um, you fucking meant it too. That's the hard... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's funny because hold on a second. I don't know. This isn't gonna turn it off if I grab a tab. Um, no, it won't. You'll be fine. Okay, good. On the Animal Crackers trailer, we've got you know four point one million views. We've got eighty one hundred comments on the trailer, wow. and I've responded to every single one of them. Yeah. yeah. And and I love it. I love it. You know, I learned that on Spider Man. 
Because uh, in 2002, Spider-Man came out you know, with the Tobey Maguire movie. And it was this crappy CGI. <laughs> you know, it was, I, you know, I was pushing the technology as far as you it could were. go. And, and the story that Greg Rucka wrote did not match up with the cartoony style of the story yeah. that we was supposed to go with. Um, and every, every reviewer just completely yeah. shit all over it. Yeah. And they were just, and I responded with the same thing back then, which was, thank you so much. Because I think the thing is, is that what I've learned is everybody has their own story. <laughs> it's like they say, you know, you never know what somebody else is going through. You don't know, you know, like if someone's yeah. someone's being an asshole to you, you don't know what they're going through at home. You don't know what personal trauma that they're going through. And um, and so, sorry, grandfather caught. No, I like it. It's perfect. You're you're broadcasting from a literal hobbit hole, so I want that atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you're getting lots of atmosphere today. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that the 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 reviewers for Spider Man they didn't know that this was my childhood dream. And they right. didn't know that this was my one shot to, to say that I'm the artist on Spider-Man. And when I went on to every single review and I let them know, I thanked them for the review and I told them what 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 led up to this moment. Um, by the time the fourth issue came out, the reviews went from one star to three stars. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. um, yeah. they understood that there was more than just what they were seeing. There was more than just the surface of it. And I and I felt the same thing. With Animal Crackers, which is, um, I got to make a movie. I'm just a normal person living in Franklin, Tennessee, who got to make a movie yeah, on his own. That you is know? an important story, guys. That's one of the reasons why, well, the main reason why I wanted to interview you guys, other than I just want to catch up, but <laughs> um, it's because it is really just... One one of the things I always tell people is there's nothing the, there's nothing stopping you from just making it. Yeah, you know, and, and don't don't do like uh, the cargo cults did after the war. You don't need to. Do you guys know about cargo cults? No, I was so just nodding politely. Uh, so uh, people, when I'm at a convention, I talk about making comics, and afterwards they'll come up and ask me questions, and the questions are always like, "How do I know how many sizes of each T-shirt to buy?" and and uh, when I'm when I'm making T-shirts, and how do I get advertising on my website? And I'm like, well, how many comics have you made? How many strips do you have up? And they're like, well, I haven't launched my strip yet. I'm like, you don't need to worry about ads or T-shirts or anything like that. Nobody wants a T-shirt. They don't want my T-shirts. They definitely don't want your T-shirt for your comic that hasn't launched yet. But in their mind, to have a web comic, you have to have ads at the top. You have to sell T-shirts. You have to have an online store. And I started talking at those panels about the cargo cults that came up after World War II. So during World War II, um, we would land on little Pacific islands for the Pacific chapter of the war. And we would put troops on these little islands because it was easier to launch against Japan from there than it would to fly all the way over. Well, there were indigenous people on those islands that had never seen anybody else. And how do you get supplies to the troops? You fly a plane over it, you drop it from the sky from a parachute. So these indigenous people, they see the soldiers, they see what the soldiers are doing, and goods fall from the sky, and the soldiers share that with the indigenous people as well. And then after the war, they all pack up and leave. Well, apparently, years later, when people returned to those islands, they found those indigenous people had made wicker airplanes and made 
uniforms and and carried around sticks like rifles and did the formations and did all the things the soldiers did waiting for the supplies to drop wow and they were so they thought they thought that that process of wearing those clothes and brought food to them and and much like you're learning that that appropriately so gypsy's not a good thing to say but people are saying that cargo cult at this point is kind of a negative term but the the point is it 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 happened and there were indigenous people that thought well if we do this and i act this way and i march in this formation and we have the plane then the stuff falls from the sky yeah and it's the same thing with you get so hung up on the perception of what what it is right like I, look, when I was a kid and we made we you know, my friends and I every week would start a comic book company when I was in junior high. We never got further than the cover. Yeah. Because what was important to us was we had to have a name for our comic book company. Yeah. We had have to a have cool a logo. logo. Right. Got to have a cool logo for the comic book company. Then you have to have a cool co- logo for the cover. And the first thing you drew was the cover. Well, you and I both know the last thing you fucking draw is the cover. Yeah. yeah. You know, and but it was that that thing. But no one ever stops to to tell you. Just make it. Don't worry yeah. about anything else. Just make it. Yeah. And I, and one of the things I always say, our motto here on the show is that luck is actually preparedness meeting opportunity. Because if you're just focusing on making stuff, whatever it is that you want to make, whether it's a movie or a comic or write a song or make music, if you just start making it, those opportunities are constantly in the air. They're constantly going by, by you. And someone's going to notice the thing that you make, and then that's going to be an opportunity that maybe you can meet, which leads to the next opportunity, which leads to the next opportunity. And it just it builds and builds and builds. And that's why everyone that you love, whose content you love, is a 10-year overnight success. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. It's not, it, you know, no one just shows up one day and says, oh, I want you working for me. You've made it, and here's your magic contract. <laughs> So I mean it's it's an incredible story and it's just one I wanted to share. There's another movie that you guys have made uh that I've watched more than I've watched Animal Crackers. It's my favorite movie that the Savas have produced. And I used to watch it as kind of a daily affirmation. And um please forgive me if this if if this offends you at all, but I think it's because I miss my mom so much. And I love seeing moms. I love uh, because I don't have that in my life as much and my mother-in-law's states and states away whenever i get to observe a mom being a mom uh it just fills me with joy but there was a movie on facebook of donna just pummeling a school board (laughs) verbally that's the one that's the one where the where the sheriff had to come and take her out okay he didn't take me out i didn't see that part he oh, she got me escorted. She got escorted asked, out no, of the building. He tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to leave. Yes. When you start talking about the principal having to broom water out of the school, <laughs> I about fell out of my chair. And I was just like, oh, I miss my mom. I'm going to watch this again. It's like, you're cute. Yeah. Thank you. I, it's just amazing. It, it's my favorite movie you guys have ever made. I know you put a lot of work into Animal Crackers, but I would like to... To I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy to fund the next one of those <laughs> movies. <laughs> and I love... Uh, the other thing I love about you is both of you, uh, your feed is... Your, your social media feeds are so consistent, and it always makes me smile and fills me with joy, is that Scott's always putting up paintings and always just 
just sticking with his art and just being, look what I made, look what I made, look what I made, just makes me so happy. And with Donna, it's either, here's a glass of wine, here's a mug of tea, here's my awesome dog. <laughs> and the book I'm reading with my glass of wine and my mug of tea. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's, and it's, that's, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but what's funny is you just told your story and you're like, oh, we the house is foreclosed. We're on food stamps. Every time I see one of Donna's social media posts, like, oh, man, I want to be there so bad. Just <laughs> With their little beagle dog just sipping tea. And it's like, oh, I want to be in the Hobbit hole drawn with Scott. I'm so lonely. I hate this pandemic. You so, know, yeah. it's, it's, those, it's those little things, I think, that, like, he was very gracious with everybody who um, made, you know, comments on the movie and everything else. And he's been very gracious his whole life. I'm the one that's the hothead. Yeah. So... Well, she's got that German in her. Your favorite. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm everything nasty. German, Italian, Irish. Pick one. They're all in here. So Yeah. See, my last name's German, and my dad's a big character, so everyone knows me as the German. But if tradition would be that when you married, you took the wife's name, I'd be Scott Pezzini. Oh. Right. So my whole family maternal side is Italiano. There you go. We used to drive with my grandfather, this little skinny old artichoke farmer. And if someone was nice to him on the road, like, let him go first or, you know, let him through the traffic circle first, he would go, point, he'd point his little crook bent finger, he'd go, Catholic, Catholic. Uh, we're like, no, no, just because they're nice doesn't mean they're Catholic. Oh, yeah, yeah Catholic. Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to be. They have to yeah. be at that oh, yeah, point. They absolutely. have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, No funny. one would do it otherwise. Yeah. No. That's funny. Yeah. Talking with your hands. <laughs> Getting real you loud. You gotta talk with your hands. That's the way to do it. The only way yes. to talk is see, to talk with your see, hands. Her mom's side is is Italian, and her yeah. dad's side was German and Irish. Yep. And yeah. uh, and so when I proposed, or when, when I asked for her, my her, hand her, in marriage, uh, asked her parents too. Yeah. You know, but she said you got to come and you got to tell my grandmother, who's Italian. You know, off the boat Italian. Uh -oh. You got to tell my grandmother. Yeah. And it's okay, okay. So we went over and she stops me before she goes, You can't say that you're Sicilian. That you're because I'm half my dad's side is Sicilian, uh -oh. my mom's side's a Syrian, which is Middle Eastern. You can't say Sicilian, you gotta say you're half Italian. Yeah, tell your tell. So, so my grandmother, yeah, yeah, no, my because you because no, because no, you because, no. because all the Sicilians are, are mobs. Yeah, they're mobsters. Right. No, yeah, you, you, you can't, can't, you know, so yeah, no. so she wouldn't let no. So my grandmother never knew, never knew. Wow. Yeah, never knew. My but grandma, my mom's mom one time, uh, I had a friend in high school. Her name was Deanne, and she was the, they'd call them goths now, but back in the 80s, they were new waivers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was known as Marilyn because they were, they were, my only friends in high school were a group of the new waivers. So everyone was listening to The Cure. Everyone's hair was spiked. Everyone's in black leather and white shirts. And <laughs> I'm the art nerd in alt denim in the 80s. <laughs> And they called me Marilyn because I was the normal one amongst the Munsters. Okay. Oh, how funny. Oh, my God. That's funny. I love we would, it. We would go to the mall and the security guy would come up to me and go, are you all right? And I'm like, yes, they're my friends. It's fine. Because I always <laughs> are they, like. Are they bothering you? I just wanted to fit in so desperately. Well, Deanne was this boisterous person and she was just so big and bigger than life. And my mom was like, she's seducing him and she's going to lead him down this terrible path and she'd follow him into a pit of snakes and my my grandmother was visiting my 
my nonna, my my uh, Italian grandmother, and she pulls me aside. She goes, "Come here, Scott and Scotty, come here." So I have to go into the my bedroom, which she has now taken over, and she says, "You should know that a woman can turn it on and off, but a man, once his gun is loaded, he has to shoot it." <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, and I was like. I'm going to slowly back out of this room now, and we're not going to discuss this further. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. That's funny. And you know what's funny is my whole life, my whole, and my mom didn't live to see me do any of this stuff, but we always played up the German stuff because my dad was a very proud German, and our name was German. And, oh yeah, you know, they they kind of spoke Italian still, but not really. But my my dad and his family spoke German. Oh, and wow. one time I was like, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't forget, Brian, we're Italian. And my mom comes running out of the room. She goes, you've not claimed, don't you? Uh, you haven't claimed us before. Don't start now. <laughs> you don't get to claim us now. <laughs> oh, I should God, stop recording. This isn't even the podcast anymore. I want to thank you both for doing the podcast. Of course. I we love it. Oh, gosh, we love you. It's going to be invaluable for people to hear. Uh, just, just to know that you can dream big, that you can, you can, you can come back from tough times just by creating and not giving up and um you know and believing in each other yeah, yeah truly believing in each yeah. other and look as as bad as things were you guys were still taking calculated risks you weren't you weren't putting anyone's welfare you know at risk and and you were believing in yourself and each other and what you could what you could make and you made it and it was a i mean look i know it was a long road but Two more movies from now, it's gonna it's gonna be easier and easier to yeah. <laughs> to stomach the hardships. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, I know. I hope <laughs> sign so. Of the cross. I hope so. I don't even believe in this shit, and I'm making the sign. Of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> If you would like to support Surviving Creativity, please share it with a friend. Send it an email, post it on Discord, let people know. Help spread the word. If you'd like to support us financially, you can visit patreon.com slash surviving creativity. Surviving Creativity is a Toonhound Studios production, and our associate producers are Bet Cardi, Dale Richardson, Jonas Marcus, and Chris Beverwick. See you next week. <laughs>